What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Rumbunter Radio, episode 18. The Pirates have swept the Cardinals. They were no hit this week. The trade deadline is just days away now. We have a whole lot to cover tonight. Let's get it started by talking about some roster moves that happened earlier today throughout the week that have really made things interesting. Marty, we heard it on the last show, and we know you're very um, excited like the rest of us to see Cabrian Hayes. But as Colin Moran was moved to the injured list, Hayes was not called up. They continue to roll to JT Riddle. Will Craig has been moved to the team. All kinds of different roster moves. Additions, Carson Fulmer, Alfano as well. We have a lot uh, uh, to talk about in that regard. But let's start it off with Cabrian Hayes. Why is he still not with the Pittsburgh Pirates? Yeah, it's it blows my mind. Um, Sunday against the Brewers, when Colin Moran left the game with concussion-like symptoms, um, Nick and David Slucer, you know, fan of the, or friend of the podcast, former Rumbunner contributor, the three of us have a group text. And uh, I texted those two and I said, you know, I can't wait. Now, I was joking when I said this. I was not being serious. I said, I can't wait for Colin Moran to go on the injured list and for the Pirates to still not recall Cabrian Hayes. You know, and all I assumed that if Moran went on the injured list, they would recall Cabrian Hayes. Well, Moran has gone to the injured list, and they have not called up Key Brian Hayes. I don't get it. I mean, Hayes would be by far the best defensive third baseman already. I mean, honestly, even with Moran healthy, Hayes should be on this roster because you can play Moran at first base and DH Josh Bell or flip those two. You know, Cabrian Hayes would be right there with Nolan Arenado for being the best defensive third baseman in baseball already. And offensively, you know, he might not hit for the power that Moran has hit for this year, but he's going to walk a lot more. He's going to strike out a lot less. He's going to make more consistent contact. He's a much better athlete. Like Hayes would be the best third baseman on this roster, even when Colin Moran is healthy. I have no idea why he was not promoted when Moran was part of the injured list. I don't understand it. Um, 
Super 2 is not a thing this season. They've already passed the service date. So, you know, whether they call them up now, next week, whenever it is, they're going to get the same amount of years of service time out of them. It just boggles my mind. I don't know what they're thinking. I don't understand it. But it's extremely frustrating because having Hayes down at the alternative training site at Altoona is not helping his development. I mean, it's not that it's not helping his development, but it's what's best for his development at this point is to be in the major leagues. And it's just beyond frustrating at this point that he's not. I do wonder if there was an explanation given. If you recall last week when we talked, uh, Ben Charrington made a drive out to Altoona and Hayes was part of the team that Charrington watched uh, take the field. Um, You know, I do wonder if they had maybe had some sort of conversation. Apparently they did, you know, talk in some capacity, but, you know, I wonder if part of that conversation was, a little bit of an explanation of what their plan is with him going forward. And, you know, maybe one of those, we'll see him September 1st after the trade deadline and moves are made type of thing. But I mean, I agree with you. There's no reason that he shouldn't be up. You, you know, I feel that way too, but um, that was my only thing is that I, I feel like maybe at least Hayes has been communicated with and is probably, at least somewhat understanding of the process as going on. And I think that's a big part too in this. And I think, you know, that's what you kind of see in Charrington, you know, his ability to kind of communicate with the players um, helps a lot in situations like this. You got to hope there was some kind of explanation because I mean, the guy at this point has been in the minors for so long. And even just this season, we've been teased for so long. You have to think there is a, just a thought process that's that's bigger than maybe the average fan is thinking. And, um, you know, hopefully at some point we do see Cabrian Hayes, but it's just weird. We're talking here now over a quarter of the mark into the season. Uh, still no Cabrian Hayes on the roster, and, and we're seeing JT Riddle play. And uh, it, it was great to see Will Craig get called up, get his, uh, his debut today. But... Yeah, I mean, if I could talk about that, like Craig, I felt should have been called up as well, just with Osuna really struggling the way he has, you know, it, it was kind of a similar thing. I didn't understand why they wouldn't just bring Craig up instead of Osuna and just see what they have, because really on paper, you look at those two and they're very similar style players. Craig, though, gives you a better glove probably at first base and at this point probably has a little more higher upside just based on the fact that Osuna hasn't really proved anything. See, I'm, I'm, I'm in a different boat with Craig. I mean, I agree with you that maybe we should see what he can do over Jose Osuna. But I, I don't know. I just – I'm not high on Will Craig. I never said that. I was, though. Yeah, fair enough. But, like, <laughs> I get the glove, but, man, his outside of 2018 at AA, he's never hit for power. He had 23 homers last year at AAA. Yeah, but if you look at – if you compare his ISO and his slugging across league average in the International League last year, uh, he was something like 30th in the league. Yeah, I, I do remember that his overall numbers were... That's Yeah, the home run number was misleading. But as his, all his stats have always been, it's been a big RBI and home run thing for him. Exactly, but then if you get down to the brass tacks of it, it's not... You know, it's not what it appears on the surface. But, my, but no, I, but I do agree. I'd rather see him than Osuna. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, him over Hayes just really, really irks me. 
But right, and I guess I wasn't even lumping them in the same conversation because I feel like Hayes and him should have been called up a few weeks ago. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, logically, that's the two you'd think this go round at least, right? Um, you know, but you know, there's a thought process. Hopefully, that that is greater than maybe what we're imagining right well, now. Well, I just remember Hayes. Not- he tweeted, um, you know, the day after Charrington was there. Or he didn't tweet, he posted it, I think, on Instagram, a picture of him putting a pirate hat on and said, like, you know, it comes full circle or something like that. I can't remember exactly. But, you know, it's something very suggestive, and I think that's why people thought he was getting called up. And that's why I'm wondering if him and Charrington had a sit-down conversation and he really mapped out for him what, you know, what he's doing and why. And, you know, Hayes is understanding and knows that, you know, his day is coming here. It is. It is. Hopefully sooner than later. A good bit of other roster moves have been made this week, though. The Pirates claimed Carson Fulmer and Anthony Alford off of waivers. A couple of, of really different players. Super interesting. What do you guys think the thought process is there? And maybe what's what's going to be the roles for Alford and, and Fulmer moving forward? Um, in terms of just, like, prospects, I'll talk. Fulmer was the eighth overall pick in 2015 out Vanderbilt. He was on the team with Brian Reynolds. Him and Kyle Wright, I believe, both came out of there, uh, were pitched together. And, you know, he was viewed as a top on our prospect. Six foot, there was concern about his projectability and if he would be able to stick as a starter with his command. And, you know, that has been the biggest issue, has been his command so far. But still, you got to, like, the fact that you're getting a former top 100 prospect power arm. Um, and here in Pittsburgh, he'll get a little more of an opportunity maybe to stick. In terms of Alford, you know, it's another similar thing. He was a dual sport athlete. Um, another, you know, top prospect in the Blue Jays system for a very long time. They were had high hopes that you know, he would turn into that super high athletic type of player with power and speed. The speed's been there. Um, The power is there, but the issue is he just isn't hitting enough right now. But, you know, in terms of just being a fast, good outfielder, um, he does have that. So he could be at least looked at as a potential fourth outfielder for a little bit. But if I had to say, Alatu Fulmer, probably has the more likely future here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about the Fulmer pickup. That's actually something I wrote about on the site earlier this week. So if you want to read more on that, head over to runbunner.com and check it out. But um, yeah, Fulmer has the stuff to be a really, really good back end of the bullpen arm. You know, at this point, it's just a matter of him and Austin Marine kind of putting it all together. So we'll see what happens there. But I'm very excited about the former pickup. Um, I would assume he'll be added to this roster sooner rather than later. I'm pretty certain he's out of options, so he cannot go to the minor leagues. He cannot go to the alternative training site. So I'm assuming we will see him. And even Vanderbilt's uh, Vanderbilt Baseball's official Twitter account tweeted a picture on Thursday of him and Reynolds together in Vandy. And the caption was something like, you know, back together again in Pittsburgh. So kind of hinting at the, you know, former will be on this roster sooner rather than later. But um, as for Alford, we kind of talked about this off the air. And I wonder with Alford, we saw on Thursday in the doubleheader, draw Dyson to not start in either game. 
And I do wonder if maybe they're preparing to move on from Dyson, rather it be a trade or otherwise. And Alfred was potentially picked up as like a, hey, you know what? If we move on from Dyson and we're going to be starting Cole Tucker in center field every day, we need a fourth outfielder. And that's potentially why they made the move for Alfred. And also with Alfred coming from Toronto, obviously he's a player that Ben Charrington is familiar with and knows in and out. But between the two, I'm definitely much more excited about Carson Fulmer. Like I said, I really do believe that Fulmer has the potential to be a very good high leverage arm out of this bullpen moving forward. And I agree with what you're saying about Alfred. Um, Really, I don't think they necessarily have a real high hopes for him as it's really just, uh, you know, they're – picking him up if he comes here and produces great if not they're gonna let him go but you know there's a little more of a a chance that he comes here and does something being just you know a top 30 type prospect um you know i i like that they're aiming for at least younger players who you know had a lot of perceived upside rather than some just blah veterans or you know something like that like we've seen in the past Young players are, are going to be, um, you know, key in this deadline, especially a trade was made earlier this week, though. The Pirates traded cash and players to be named for Philadelphia Phillies right-handed pitcher Austin Davis. An interesting move. You know, we, we heard, I guess, this week after this trade broke that, you know, maybe Davis wasn't necessarily uh, the best option. Marty, I know you had some friends, um, you know, in Philadelphia telling you that this might not have been the best move, but... What do you guys what do you guys think about Austin Davis? What kind of role is he going to play with the Pirates? For for those of you who don't know, and if you're a Pitt fan, don't hate me for this. I also write for Black Shoe Diaries, which is a Penn State website. And two of my good friends there who are diehard Philly fans, I have a group chat with them and they messaged me about the Austin Davis trade. And my reaction was, you know, who the hell is that? And they told me, well, he's a left-handed reliever with a career ERA over five. I'm like, well, perfect. He's going to fit in great in this bullpen. And um, But I did some digging further. And, again, this is something I have more about on the site that you can check into. But I, I can see where the Pirates are coming from. His fastball average last season was about 94 miles an hour, which for left-handed pitchers was in the 85th percentile in baseball. His spin rate on his fastball was in the 80th plus percentile. His curveball spin rate was in the 70th percentile. Like, I, there's tools there to work with. Um, I mean, obviously, you don't ever want to get your expectations up for a player who was designated for assignment and then you acquire for cash considerations and a player to be named later. But I can see where they were coming from in the acquisition of Davis. Um, I, you know, I'm sure we'll see him at some point this season. Just the way you churn through bullpen arms and you got to think there's going to be trades with pitchers coming up in the next few days. So I'm sure we'll see him at some point in September, but and while he has struggled with the Phillies and I'm not saying he's going to come to Pittsburgh and turn around or anything, you know, he's got a good fastball. His strikeout rate is above league average. The spin rate on his fastball and his curveball are in the upper percentiles in baseball. So we'll see there. There's some talent there to work with. And again, it kind of goes back to Alfred and Fulmer. Like, hey, you know what? Take a flyer on these guys. And if they work out, great. If they don't, it doesn't hurt you all in the long run. And, you know, it's it's a it's a no-risk, potential reward type situation. 
it's the higher pedigree guys too again which i like i this davis guy it's you know he like you said he's got nice metrics he's a six four lefty you don't you don't find lefties throwing 94 miles per hour that much, you know, in today's game still. So I think it's like you said, it's just another one of those taking a flyer on a guy, but you know, it's another one that it's not just picking up a guy to pick him up either. Like there's actually something behind it. Like you said, seeing his, his spin rates and stuff. The other thing I'm just going to say is, you know, and you kind of touched on is, you know, we potentially could see a lot of roster movement, over the next couple of days, you know, and it, it just in general, we've seen a lot of roster move in the last week. And so it really seems like it could be setting up for an interesting couple of days here as we get closer to Monday. Yeah. I've thought that too, with going out and getting Fulmer, getting Davis, getting Alford, you know, you, you hear about the guys, Even that, the, the pitcher they picked up from the giants too last week. Oh yeah. The, the Valdez or I think whatever his name was. But yeah, it's like, you know, it's like he's, Charrington is setting up to have these bullets in the chamber where if he moves, say you move Derek Holland and that puts Nick Trapino into the starting rotation. So you need a bullpen army of options. You know, you move on from Gerard Dyson and Cole Tucker becomes your center fielder. You have Alfred as your potential fourth outfielder. It, it just, it, it, it makes sense with what we have heard. The names being tossed around in trade talks, you know, Holland, Kella, Richard Rodriguez, even, you know, you, you can have bullets in the chamber ready to go to replace these guys. So I, I wouldn't be surprised either if this is Charrington getting ready for moves that could be coming in the next few days. I love these moves. It's it, it's almost like appetizers uh, uh, leading up to the day that we've all been waiting for, Monday, August 31st, the 2020 trade deadline. We've heard a lot of speculation the one that interests me most, though, is developed a little bit more recently. Uh, Marty, you had an article on it this week. Trevor Williams' name has come to surface with the Toronto Blue Jays, as well as Chad Cool. Let's talk about this, maybe who the Pirates are, are looking uh, at in Toronto and and if this has got some substance to it here with Cool and Williams. Yeah, I mean, the Blue Jays went out on Thursday and they acquired Taiwan Walker from the Seattle Mariners. Um, that said, their starting rotation still needs all the help it can get. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them continue to continue to pursue Trevor Williams and Chad Cool. Um, trading with the Blue Jays, honestly, if you're a Pirate fan, you probably want to hope for that because Ben Charrington knows that farm system inside and out. And if he's bringing a player in from Toronto, it is a player that Charrington, if he did not help acquire them, he helped develop them. He knows their strengths and weaknesses. So I would love to see them make a trade with Toronto for that reason because I have no doubt that the player they're getting would be a player Charrington believes can help this team win one day. Now, that said, uh, I I am a big fan of Trevor Williams. I don't think he gets enough credit for how good of a starting pitcher he has been with the Pirates outside of, you know, last year, those last couple months. But who knows if he was even healthy and he struggled. But, like, outside of those three months, man, he's been real good the last four years. That said, I would be willing to move on from him. Um, Chad Cole, I'm not. I would need a pretty good return to move Cole. I mean, coming back from Tommy John, I mean, man, he looks better than ever. He did it again today. I mean, we'll get we'll get into it later. His start today against the Cardinals, but man, I mean, he's Chad Cole's looked really good this year. That power fastball, that slider curve combo, 
Like, he looks like a guy who could be your number two, number three starter for the foreseeable future. I mean, coming off Tommy John surgery, you want to see a little bit more before you get to this point. But in some of this is me having been high on Cole even before his Tommy John. I'm getting close to the point where I'd rather see the Pirates start talking contract extension with Chad Cole as opposed to trade talks with Chad Cole. You know, I, I wouldn't hate that, honestly. Uh, I, I agree with you. For, for me to move Chad Cole at this point, it would take something that's probably not going to be offered for him just because where he's at. I think the Pirates would be selling at a low point with him right now. Like you said, they could definitely look to extend him, You know, especially if they were maybe thinking about extending Musgrove or Williams. And now if they're going to you know, decide to maybe trade Williams and – this could allow them to maybe test the uh, waters on Musker of this offseason too. So I don't hate that. Uh, I also, you know, don't hate the idea of just letting him continue to develop and kind of see where you go from there with him. And uh, in terms of Toronto, I agree, Marty. Um, you know, I think when I look at their farm system through fan graphs, they have two catchers that are ranked at six and seven. The catcher, Alejandro Kirk, who's ranked at six, um, right now on Fangraphs, they have almost a 45-plus. But to what I understand, scouts are actually much, much higher on him than that 45-plus right now. Uh, and it sounds like he's basically untouchable uh, in Toronto. So that would leave Gabriel Moreno, who is also – a you know, a very interesting catching prospect in his own right. He's a 45. He only signed for $25,000 out of Venezuela uh, in 2016. So, you know, not necessarily high expectations, So, but he obviously has produced a lot to be able to get into the top 10 on fan graphs for the Blue Jays. Uh, his ETA is 2021 also. So, you know, you're looking at a guy who could potentially help you, uh, pretty soon and that's definitely something that the bucks have been trying to get is is you know that catcher of the future and stallings looks like that right now but also you have to remember this team still needs a few years before they're gonna really have that wave of prospects and marina would be a, a nice pickup to put into the system with you know quinn priester brendan malone tanash thomas uh all those young arms that we drafted this year as well. Well, when you talk about a team with Toronto, you know, that's a team that already has some, some catching prospects and Kirk, some other guys that that's a very reasonable deal in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they right now they have Jansen and Reese McGuire at their big league level. Uh, and I know Jansen's a guy that they, they were pretty high on when he came up last year. And then, yeah, like I said, with Kirk, he's a guy that, you know, is taking off. So Moreno is kind of a luxury for them. And I know you can never have too much catching, but you know, a team like Toronto, who's looking to get a controllable starter, they're going to have to give up something uh, significant too. Certainly, certainly. And talks have began to an extent, uh, you know, a little bit ago, quiet talks, I guess, about Brian Reynolds, maybe even um, being up for trade this year. At this point, Gentlemen, it's looking like we could see a full-on blow-up of this roster. Nobody is safe. Nick, you wrote about it this week, uh, Brian Reynolds specifically. Are these conversations real? Uh, you know, Brian seems like the one guy that the Pirates wouldn't even consider trading. But is really anybody on this team up for grabs? Yeah, it's super interesting because Ken Rosenthal was the one who 
I, I can't even really say he reported that, you know, now I think about because he, he wrote a column and he was writing about uh, the Cleveland Indians and how they might operate this year. And he like randomly put this sentence in the last end of it about how Brian Reynolds is another candidate who's presumed to be available. So presumed, that doesn't necessarily mean, like you said, they had talks, but I mean, also then why even say that, you know, that you weren't even talking about the pirates. So why put that in there? And Ken Rosenthal is, you know, by all accounts, uh, one of the best insiders in sports. So he doesn't just throw stuff out there to throw stuff out there. Usually when he says stuff, you know, it's, it's something that he, you know, has confidence in with that. I don't know if they'll trade Brian Reynolds. I, I don't think they will. I think it's one of those, you know, if they get blown away, they'll consider it. Um, there are certain teams who need outfield help like the Atlanta Braves or the San Diego Padres even, um, and they have the farm systems that they could potentially get a deal done if they wanted to, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on that uh, at this point. And like you said, just in general, they're looking like uh, Mark Fanside of uh, MLB.com reported that he had an NL exec said that Charrington's actually been one of the more active uh, general managers, which shouldn't really be a surprise being one of the clear cut sellers, but he said it really sounds like they're considering a lot of different things and, you know, they, they could potentially blow it up, you know, whether that means trading a guy like Reynolds as well, or just, you know, trading a handful of players like Williams and Musgrove and Richard Rodriguez. And, you know, either way you could call it a blow up. We'll just see how extreme it is. No, but Nick, I, I think, you know, that's that's what the city needs. That's that's what this team needs at this point. And Sherrington's been fully bought in on the blow up, on the just reset button from the get go. And, and you mentioned it in the article. I think it, it took some time, you know, for him to kind of discover what he's got all the way. It took a few months for him to see, you know, reevaluate Josh Bell, evaluate these guys fully so he can make the, the right moves come the trade deadline just here in a few days. Uh, and a blow up is necessary because the Pirates are are hitting some team lows for the first time in since 2015. There were no hits this week. They traveled to Chicago for uh, the best of three series there, um, and they were swept again. Very interesting, guys. Sweep against Cleveland, you get swept there. You sweep the Brewers at home, you go to Chicago and get swept. Today they uh, took the doubleheader in sweep fashion against the Cardinals. But let's. Let's talk about the Chicago series. Uh, let, let's get right into the no-hitter. I mean, this was, I think, the low point for this team, hopefully. Uh, we, we couldn't channel Jose Tabada to come in. You know, he broke up the perfect game, but maybe he would have come along and gotten a bump base hit or something for this. He wasn't there. Lucas Giolito does it. First White Sox to ever throw a no-hitter with 10 or more strikeouts. Just a dominant performance. The bats were cold. What are you guys' takes on, on that game? the no-hitter, and really the series as a whole. Fun to see Chicago. I, I would like to say that that game on Tuesday night, after the second inning, I tweeted and said, Lucas Giolito is throwing a no-hitter tonight. He did, yeah. Yeah, his stuff, it was a combination of how good his stuff looked and how just horrendous the Pirates looked at the plate. <laughs> yeah, it was, I, in the second inning, I called it. I said, he's throwing this no-hitter. And had he not just had whatever it was that caused him to throw that four-pitch walk, 
to Egon to lead off the fourth inning, man, we would have been looking at a perfect game. But, no, I mean, Giolito is one of the best pitchers in the American League. Like you said, Trey, that White Sox team, man, they're a lot of fun. They're exciting. That that lineup is ridiculous, and that lineup's going to be ridiculous for a long time. So I, I think you just really saw – that series to me – more than anything showed how far the Pirates have to go because the White Sox are one of the best teams in the American League. They're a team that legitimately could win the World Series this year. And in both of those games, the Pirates were totally overmatched. If you looked at their lineup against the White Sox lineup, it was just like looking at a major league lineup against a triple-A lineup. They, they have a long way to go, and I think that series showed it. But, you know, you know it, what? what it is. It's part of a rebuild. And and they they did it the correct way. The White Sox. They did. Um, they they traded Jose Quintana. They traded Chris Sale. Yeah. Shout out to uh, the Chicago Cubs. Thank you for being stupid enough to trade Eloy Jimenez for Jose Quintana. I mean, imagine. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank goodness they didn't make that boneheaded trade uh, for Shields a few years ago, or they would have been that oh, team would be unbelievable. Man, Fernando Tatis in that lineup. I mean, you can – uh, uh, Between him and Timmy Anderson, slide one over to second base. Who, baby? Right. Mankata at third, uh, just unreal. Uh, and But that that's my point. Um, the Pirates don't have that. <laughs> they, they, they might now. They might have some guys, you know, who could be good players. It's not like they don't have good prospects. But, like <sighs> – patchwork isn't going to make this team all of a sudden win and they're not going to start spending. So this is going to be the way they do it. In game one there, uh, you know, there's a lot of negatives to take away, obviously, but Nick Tropiano comes in and looks just stellar. Four strikeouts and four innings, didn't allow a run. Um, you know, how about the kid coming up and, and getting in there in, in such a crazy intense game and really performing? Yeah, that was good. Um, you know, to see him first time out, um, in an especially in an extended look, he really showed a lot in a tough situation against a very good lineup. Uh, you know, like the, the everyone's talking about a splitter, and you know, I don't know if this is something that is new for him. I haven't read or heard anything about it. I'm not quite sure why all of a sudden his splitters become so effective, but I haven't looked into it. But I mean. He definitely maybe getting out of the American League will help him some, and just yeah, we'll see what we have in him. But it was definitely a good first appearance, and made me think, you know, hey, you know what, let's keep him around for a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see Tropiano moving forward, um, especially assuming Derek Holland is moved at the trade deadline. I think that just you know, if Musgrove's not healthy, the easy transition there is to put Tropiano in the starting rotation because he's been primarily a starter in his career. So we'll see what happens there. And, you know, hey, you move Holland and, say, Williams, you have two open spots, so Musgrove gets healthy. But that that looks like one of those pickups that, I mean, even at the time when the Pirates made that trade, I liked it because I mean, he, he hadn't been great in his career, but it's not like he's been terrible either. You know, right. he, he's the kind of guy. He's kind of Jen Mark Gomez-ish. That is exactly what I was going to say. Is Jenmar Gomez? He's good. he could come in and pitch three four innings out of the bullpen. He could spot start. He could pitch the eighth inning for you, whatever it is. 
And know that you know you need guys like that to put together a winning ball club. So I, I do and it might not always be great, you know, but but that's why he's in that role that he is. Exactly. Uh, one thing that I'm going to throw in here, so uh, I'm just real quick looking at a split finger from last year to this year. Last year he was starting to get 83 miles per hour, and its spin rate was um, just a tick over a thousand. And hitters were hitting 429 off of that. This year, his splitter is down to 82 miles per hour. And so a full mile per hour, which might not sound a lot, but when you're talking about with a splitter grip, uh, that's significant. And his spin is actually down almost 300. Uh, You know, you got to wonder if maybe that is something with, you know, I'm not going to claim to be a split finger expert. I threw it a little bit in high school, but I don't know much about effective spin rates with split fingers, but I have to wonder if maybe that's something that they looked at and figured out if he took a little bit more off of that, it would be a little more effective. I mean, it's definitely possible because he he threw that splitter a lot against the White Sox and it, it was a very effective pitch, you know. He got three strikeouts with it. Yeah, and I mean, and like you said, Nick, when when you drop that velocity on it a little bit, drop that spin rate just a little bit, that can be just enough to where, you know, you're you're gonna have hitters who are trying to gear up for the pitch are gonna be just a tick too ahead on it. If they're, I mean, a split finger acts as a changeup, really. So whenever so, it's falling out at the bottom there, if you're getting a little bit ahead of it because you're expecting it to get there quicker and have less movement, it's gonna get you in trouble. So you got, yeah, I mean, you got to wonder if the more, the less spins making it drop more. So they're, it's, they're not getting the barrel on the ball anymore because it's, it's disappearing out of the zone, basically. Just filthy stuff. Just filthy stuff. And, and really just dominant. Um, it's definitely something to watch. Right? Oh, You're yeah. right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Keep an eye on it. Um, Nick Tropiano coming in, doing great work. The Pirates did get no hit though. Really, really, really weird. No fans in the stands for the no hitter. It, you know, you could tell the energy was still there, but it was, it was just hot. It, it didn't feel right. Um, and, and Nick, I think we need to get those high school numbers uh, when you know when we get the chance. I want to see that ERA. It was about. It, it was a mid four. It was a mid four. He, he, don't let him fool you. He carried Penn Trafford. But Bushy Run Legion, back to back, back to back district champs. First time in Bushy Run Legion history. You know, we were first ones to do it. We laid the groundwork. Okay, yeah. We're going to need proof. We're going to need proof, but we'll believe you for now. I hear, I hear a lot of it had to do with with, with that coaching staff, but I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. Especially the guy who kept the book. So you maybe, you know, you'll get the, the trout at some point here, Nick, with that kind of, with those numbers, with those accolades. You deserve a chance somewhere. Yeah, I, I agree. So, you know, Ben, Steve, whoever, if any of you are listening out there. Whoever, somebody give him a contract. He's not, you know, he's still in his prime, still ready to work. It's trade deadlines coming up. Somebody's going to make the move on it. The Pirates uh, would go down in game two of the two games set as well, 10 to three. Not a very interesting ball game, uh, but they got a hit. You know what? It was, uh, <laughs> it was something there on Wednesday. And they didn't wait either. First pitch of the game, Cole Tucker was making sure there was not going to be no hitter on Wednesday. Not a chance. Not a chance. Out of the gates, the Pirates fell. White Sox improved to 19 and 12. Pirates came into Thursday at 7 and 19, but a doubleheader with the St. Louis Cardinals gave them a chance to improve on that, and they did. In game one, 
it goes to extra innings to the eighth inning, which is, uh, you know, just a little bit weird. But a three-run spot coming in the top of the eighth, off of just some small balls, some really nice hits. We saw Kotuk drive in the go-ahead run. A little bit of a scare there in the bottom half, but Rich Rod gets out of it, picks up the save. Chris Stratton gets the win. Uh, but I think the story of game one, like we mentioned a minute ago, Chad Cool coming out and looking dominant. He went six, uh, allowed just a run, only had a strikeout. Good stuff from Chad Cool there in game number one. Yeah, I again, I really, really like what we have seen from Chad Cool this season. Um, I think he's really starting to round into form. I mean, the picture we saw in 2017 and the picture we saw in 2018 were two totally different guys. But with that power fastball, that slider curve combo, he looks like he's really starting to put this all together. And, man, it's exciting to see. You know, I think Cole's a guy who could really be, you know, number two, number three type starter in this rotation for a long time. And it's, you know, so far this season, that curveball spin rate, it's in the 88th percentile in baseball. The fastball velocity is in the 77th percentile. His strikeout rate is well above league average. And that's even with only having, you know, two or three total strikeouts his last two starts. So I, I think Cole is a guy who is quietly settling in to being a just very, very good middle to borderline top of the rotation starting pitcher. And that's why we talked earlier about, you know, not looking to trade him right now, potentially looking to extend him. And even if we don't extend him, and, this, and Nick, this is something you touched on earlier about not selling low. And Tim Williams mentioned this on Twitter tonight I saw – where if you don't trade cool now, even if you don't think he's going to be around the next time you're a contender, you know, you let him start the rest of the season, let him make a bunch of starts next year and potentially build that trade value up even more anyway. You know, the, holding on to him does you a lot more good than bad. And I just, I loved what we saw from cool on Thursday against the Cardinals. I mean, he just, he was in control of that game from the start. He had a little bit about with the control, walking four guys in six innings. But, man, the Cardinals never scored any balls up against him, really. And I just thought he controlled that start from the get-go. Yeah, that that's what I was trying to say earlier, Cole, is, you know, you, you probably could get a decent package for him right now just because he, he's a starter. He looks like he's, you know – He's got pretty good stuff. Everyone does know that. And he's got two more years to control. But that's not necessarily, you know, in the trade market today, we hear a lot about the the control and that's where the value lies. But a guy like Cole, you know, who's still proven his health and continues to, like Marty keeps saying, you know, he continues to look better and better closer to a top of the rotation type arm. Um, you know, if you get him to be a, a number two type arm, teams aren't going to necessarily be worried about control. And if you have him at next trade deadline, he still has a season and a half of control anyhow. So you're not going to lose much by holding him for, you know, a calendar year or so. No, and, and just such a good clubhouse guy, too, down the stretch, if that's the case. You know, some once Priester. Yeah, it, right. Guys. I honestly would love to extend them. Like I said earlier, I'm very much starting to get into the boat of let's start talking contract extension. You know, if Cole pitches strong here over the, la- the course of the last month of the season, 
gives you four or five more good starts, looks healthy. Let, let's start talking contract extension with him. I like it this off season. I like it. Start committing some money to the future. Show the show the fan base you're at least trying to keep some of the guys who look like they could really be, you know, taking a, that next step that we always talk about, you know. Exactly. And, and Cool's one of those guys that just, you know, he grinds it out too. After coming back from surgery, it looks like the Chad Cool before surgery, even better at times. Um, great to see. Brian Reynolds and Jacob Stallings broke it open in the eighth inning. Jacob Stallings, man, this kid keeps hitting up to 328 after game one. Swinging it better than anybody on this team. Great to see. But the story of the day on Thursday was was the arms in both games. Cody Ponce dominating, not allowing a run, a couple of Ks. He went five and two-thirds. Have to go five still in a seven-inning game to get the win. He picks it up. How about Cody Ponce, man? This kid could really have a future in the starting rotation, the bullpen, wherever. He looked excellent on Thursday. I like Ponce. Um, the thing that I liked about him the most was his his fastball seemed to have um, pretty good velocity throughout his whole start. It dipped down a little bit in the middle innings, but it seemed like after that, the extended inning there, he got some of his uh, arm strength back. And, you know, it was good to see him sitting around 93, 94 miles per hour. Um, you know, as a reliever, that's what I was expecting from him. So if he can continue to build up his arm strength and sit there velocity wise, I definitely would like to see him get, you know, more opportunities in the rotation. He's definitely earned it. Yeah. To build off a Ponce, one thing I really liked on Thursday, in addition to how well he pitched was what we saw to this bullpen. Um, you know, Chris Stratton with a one, two, three, seventh, Rich Rod, Got into some trouble in the in the eighth, and not all of it was his fault. You know, he had the runner put on second base to start the inning, but when he needed those two strikeouts, he reared back and got it. You know, Jeff Hartlieb still has not allowed an inherited runner to score this year. Nick Turley, his very quiet. I feel like no one talks about Nick Turley, and yeah. he's been awesome this year, man. He, he's up to eleven and third innings pitch. He's only allowed five hits. He's not allowed a home run. You know. His velocity is great from the left side, too. Uh, yeah, and regardless of what stat you want, you want to use ERA, you want to use FIP, you want to use DRA, whatever it is you want to use, they're all above league average. Like, I feel like you're in the power His spin's crazy on his curve, too. Yeah, yo, his curveball's been wicked this year. And, yeah, his fastball's averaging 94 miles per hour. Yeah, and like we said earlier, you don't get many lefties who throw that hard even in today's game. And, like – this bullpen, and to an extent, rightfully slow, rightfully so, has caught a lot of crap this year. But very quietly, your guys are emerging of Stratton and Turley and Jeff Hartley and Rich Rod. If you don't trade him, and then you throw in Blake Cedarling, you know, between JT Brubaker and Cody Ponce, both of them have pitched well. Odds are one of them ends up in the bullpen long term, if not both of them. Like, very quietly, you're building a nice little bullpen core here to move forward. And, you know, I, I think one thing, and this is a topic for another day because I we could probably have almost an entire episode to this. I think one thing that has happened this year that no one is talking about, Oscar Marine has been tremendous with this pitching staff. I, I know we talked about this before the season started. I know, Nick, you mentioned this. One of the things that got Ray Searage fired was this staff had a lot more talent and a lot more potential 
than the results showed last year. And we're seeing that Absolutely. this year with the starters, with the bullpen. I think I think Oscar Marine has done a terrific job with this pitching staff. And we're seeing that with guys like Hartlieb, Nick Turley, Chris Stratton, Richard Rodriguez, you know, in the rotation. Even guys Shaq like Cole, Brew Baker yeah, and Trevor, Trevor Williams Ponce, got who just up by the White Sox the other day, but Trevor had been terrific this year before that. You know, you're seeing Derek Holland has had one bad inning all year that has completely derailed his numbers. This pitching staff has been awesome, and I think Oscar Marine deserves a lot of credit for that. My thing, my slogan this year has been, you know, finding positives. This team's not going to be great. We've been saying that, right? But finding positives, and the positives have been seeing, like you said, some of these young guys really take a step forward that we never saw them in the past take or when we did, it was with a different team. So, you know, we're starting to see that. And like you said, they're quietly building up a nice little young nucleus of bullpen arms here. And they have some guys who can help this team out hopefully next year. Uh, you know, if birdie comes back and Edgar Santana as well, um, you know, he's serving his 80 game suspension right now. So, it is one of those things, though, you got to be careful with bullpens, as we quickly saw, too, how one can fall apart. So it, it it's it's good right now. Um, Richard Rodriguez, like you said, you know, we'll see if he sticks around. But outside of him, yeah, I, re- I really like the foundation that's that's in there right now. Yeah, and that, that's wrong with the bullpen, too. I mean, if, if you look at the overall bullpen numbers for the year, they're not going to be pretty. But one thing you have to keep in mind, you know, that's going to include Miguel Del Pozo. That's going to include Dolby Desnavaraskas. That's going to include Tyler Bachelor. If you look at who they have gone to in these high-leverage situations, again, Stratton, Turley, you know, Jeff Hartley, Bertrand Rodriguez, Sam Howard, JT Brubaker before he moved to the rotation, these guys were pitching well. You know, their middle relief, it remains a work in progress, but there are a few teams in baseball whose middle relief is not a work in progress. What's important... That's the Dodgers. Yeah, exactly. The, the Dodgers have not had a good middle relief, and I couldn't tell you how long, and that's the main reason why they have not won a World Series with the, with the core they have now is because of their bullpen. But the Pirates have a good core forming for the back end of this bullpen. And that's very exciting because as we have seen with the pirates, when they were good with the Kansas city Royals, with other teams, if you have that shutdown bullpen where, you know, as long as your starter gives you five or six innings, you're going to be in good shape. You're going to win a lot of baseball games. And I think moving forward into 2021 and beyond, you're going to see this with the pirate bullpen. It's been so promising to watch. Uh, but like you said, you know, you, you got, got to keep in mind that these bullpens can fall apart just as easily as they're built up but we haven't seen this in so long and it's it's great to see guys just continue to get better like Hartlieb like Turley just looking dominant down the stretch dominant today the Pirates get the two-game sweep of the St. Louis Cardinals they will head to Milwaukee tomorrow Derek Holland's final start before the trade deadline it's gonna be an interesting series guys what are you excited for I'm, I feel very confident saying this will be Derek Holland's last appearance with the Pittsburgh Pirates on Friday. So, you know, I'm excited to see how he does. I, I've liked Holland here. I know we've hit this a bunch, but outside of that one just true, just horrible inning against the Tigers, he's pitched really well this year. I mean, you take that inning away, his ERA is like cut in half or something like that. And he's been a great clubhouse guy, you know. So I'll, I'll be disappointed to see him go, but 
I feel feel confident saying Friday will be his last outing with the Pirates. I think one thing to watch also that might not get a lot of attention going into the weekend is Monday, Trevor Williams is scheduled to start for the Pirates. So depending on what happens there with trade talks, we might go into Monday morning, you know, kind of watching for that late scratch, you know, maybe it's traded before that. So we'll see what happens, but you know, it's exciting. That's what I was going to say about even Holland tomorrow too. Uh, yeah, just in general, the trade deadline is going to be three days away. You're really going to start to see teams make moves. It already started tonight with, like you mentioned earlier, with the Blue Jays getting Walker uh, from Seattle. So, you know, it's, it will be interesting to see. The game's not until uh, 8 o'clock tomorrow night. So there's yeah, a lot of time. Does Holland actually make that start tomorrow? You know, you never know with – this time of year. Yeah, if there's a team that is genuinely interested in him, they might not want him to to make that appearance. So, one other thing going into this weekend with with playing the Brewers, you know, a National League Central team, the Pirates right now are nine and nineteen on the year. They're eight and eight against National League Central. They're one and eleven against the American League Central. So, playing playing a National League Central team, maybe we can expect some more success this weekend as well. Yeah, that was one of my things, too, about Trevor Williams' start. And, you know, with us talking about the trade deadline coming up, I'm going to touch on this. Uh, I don't think everyone's concerned that Williams' trade value got hurt from that start. Williams has a season and a half of control. Um, Like Marty has said, outside of three months last year, he has been one of the Pirates' most consistent starters, which – is something that teams pay for in baseball, especially controllable inning eaters, okay? But also, that game was against a a team he's never seen before uh, from a different division. I doubt the Pirates have a ton of information on those guys, and in, in a weird year, and with those guys being a lot of young talent from the minors, like... I'm not, I don't think any team's going to read too much into one bad start from Trevor Williams when they're potentially trading for a number three, number four type starter for their next season and a half. That's all I'm saying. Also, with that too, Nick, you know, any team who does put a lot of stock in the one bad start from a starting pitcher, you're not, you're not very good at doing your job. Like, you know, no team is going to let one start or one outing from a pitcher hit or whoever it might be, you know. Yeah, it's different there. if you're getting a rental. You know, if you're worried that, okay, what something doesn't look right, we might want to back off because it's not worth it. But when you're talking about a guy that you're going to be getting for an extended period, you're not trading for what he might do for you in the next three starts, but yeah, just in general what he can do for you and your rotation and – I was going to say precisely, you're trading for what he's going to do for you the rest of this way and next year. So, again, you're not – like you said, Nick, you're not going to be as worried if there's some red flags in a start or two. Teams know they're not getting an ace. It's not like – you know, or anything like that. They know who Trevor Williams is at this point. Um, you know, one bad start isn't going to affect it. They're not – we're not going to be getting, you know, elite prospects here. We're going to be getting, you know – 40, 45 value players who, you know, we hope we can develop. So it's one bad start isn't going to affect much here. You know, it's like what we've been saying about Derek Holland too. The one bad inning, it can't be the determining factor 
And, you know, to add on to that, too, if a team is so timid about one bad inning or one bad start, probably also too timid to, to really give you a fair deal um, in return. So, I, I Also, think you probably can find any pitcher who will be traded that had one bad start this year. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. What people have to keep in mind, too, is, you know, typically by the trade deadline, you know, these guys have 20-something starts under their belts. So one or two bad starts are not going to derail your numbers for the year like they're going to do this year either. And then that's something I feel like a lot of people probably aren't keeping in mind right now. Oh, yeah. It's it's a weird season. It, it creates just oddities in every way that you look at the game, especially with numbers, because guys' numbers are inflated or deflated. They just look weird at times because of how weird this season is naturally. For guys like Williams, I think it's almost, you know, teams are just evaluating – what they know, and they know that maybe one bad start isn't Trevor Williams. Um, but it's going to be so interesting to see. And like you said, we might not even see Derek Holland start tomorrow night, just depending. So much is uncertain right now. A lot is going to happen over these next three days. And it's going to happen at weird times. We know you guys, you know, maybe aren't going to get the information right as it comes. And that's why we are here. From Under Radio has you covered, guys. All weekend, we're going to be popping up with emergency episodes as trades are made. Um, just keeping you informed. So much content on the website now, right now as well. Rumbunter.com. You can find the full 2020 trade deadline preview written by Noah Wright, regular here on the podcast. Marty and Nick both have oodles of articles out right now, as well as the rest of our staff fully covering this trade deadline because it's going to be an active one. It's going to be an exciting one and one that could set up the Pirates for uh, the future to come here, depending on how things go on Monday. It's been a packed episode of Rum Bunter Radio. We are going to have a whole lot to talk about come Monday and over the weekend as well. Be sure to check it out, guys. Pirates, get another sweep. This time it's the Cardinals. I know that one uh, is going to maybe make Marty feel a little bit better, even though Cabrian Hayes is still not on this team. At least the evil empire has been taken down. Exactly. The, the St. Louis Cardinals are the epitome of evil the epitome of everything that is wrong in this world. So anytime the Pirates beat them, especially sweep them in a doubleheader in St. Louis, I love it. The Jolly Roger is flying high right now. Put it on the arch, baby. Put it on the arch. It is on the arch right now. Hopefully this this hot streak can continue into Milwaukee. We will we will see. We're going to recap that series as well as preview the week coming up and give you a full recap on the trade deadline the next time we meet. But that is all for this episode of Rum Buncher Radio. For Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Yannity. As always, you can find us on Apple Music, on rumbunter.com, fansided.com, spreaker.com. There's all kinds of ways to listen, guys, as well as social media. Hit us up on Twitter. You can find our articles there as well. And any content you guys need as we get closer to the big day on Monday. Free Cabrian Hayes, please. It is time. Have a good week, everybody. Let's go Bucks. Need me. 
mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.